0: You are now listening to Pursuit Cast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. What's up, everyone? This is Sam, back again with another episode of Pursuit Cast. And uh, today I have a very special guest. He's a friend of mine. Uh, we go back to college and, uh, it's really been a joy to, uh, stay in relationship, friendship, uh, partnership together, uh, in ministry and to see all that God is doing through his life. So please welcome my friend, uh, Pastor Dave Park. Hey Dave, how are you? Yeah,
1: good. Thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah. It's really a privilege.
0: Thank you so much. I know we've talked about having you on for a while and, um, it's really good to have you on finally. And, um, life's interesting Uh, (laughs) we went from sweet mates where uh you'd beat me in madden (laughs) to having you here and uh talking about god and all that he's doing so thank you
1: yeah no thank you um I, i mean we're i'm also really encouraged by you know all the things that you're doing in this area and you know like i uh posted on your instagram you know you're uh pursuing revival and if you you win if you um are blessed with revival we all win at the same time Come so on. yeah i'm really um i'm really here for you I'm
0: thank you to um, be on here thank you um i i appreciate uh what you stand for and just your mind and your heart for the region um if you can kind of share a little bit about who you are to our listeners uh, just so they get an idea about dave park
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> well um I guess um, I'm the pastor at Mosaic Christian Fellowship, um, which is the English congregation here at Chode Community Church. And um, I guess Chode is kind of one of the longstanding congregations in the Bergen County area. Um, so lots of people know it. And uh, we've been growing kind of our English congregation identity uh, for the past <coughs> few years. Um, in fact, it will be our 10-year anniversary um, next month. So we're really excited about that. Um, I came out of college and I worked a little bit um, in finance before um, I found my calling uh, to pastoral ministry. It was kind of a, yeah, it it wasn't something that was an easy decision, um, especially in light of certain uh, kind of family situations. My family was going through a hard time when Mm -hmm. I decided to go into ministry. Um, But, you know, ever since God has been, providing abundantly in wow. um, and, and a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I've been in the ministry since and um, married. I have a three-year-old daughter. I have another daughter coming and just trying to keep up with family and ministry. Yeah. That's good.
0: That's good. Um, I know today, like you said, you're the pastor uh, at Mosaic. You guys just celebrated your brand-new sanctuary, so congratulations mm, on that. Thanks. It was a joy to be there. And um, today on this podcast, you know, I kind of want to talk to you about on the subject of faith and work. And uh, uh, yesterday we were just hanging out with our mutual friend Paul, son from Cali, you know, shout out to Paul. And, uh, you know, you guys were sharing about it and, and I was just so encouraged just even sitting there. And uh, even last night, something that Paul said that really stood out to me and made me want to really go deeper into this topic with you Is he said when it comes to missions and faith and reaching uh, the lost, you know, people think about the ten to four, you know, ten forty window, and rightfully so. But he said uh, another window that's so missed is the nine to five window, Mm -hmm. and that really got me thinking about that subject, faith and work again. And um, and I know that you're doing your doctoral studies on it. So um, you know, how did you? Get so passionate about that. What made you want to study that? And uh, why is it so important? I know these are big questions.
1: Yeah. Initially, I think um, it came from kind of a pastoral point of view, kind of seeing uh, my people Um, and lots of my friends struggling with uh, faith at work and and wrestling with um, an understanding of how to integrate faith in work and um, not people who are lazy and not doing any reading or investigation, but people who are actually seeking and still um, seeking with all the material that's available to them, still finding a lot of dead ends, um, uh, having a lot of difficulty there. And, you know, as I talk to people, there's kind of a secret shame That they have uh, because they know that no matter how uh, faithful they are in the church setting, they know who they are in the work world. Mm -hmm. And um, because of that, there is kind of, I sense the secret shame that a lot of people carry into the church because they know that they're a totally different person at work. And um, I I realized that there's always going to be a certain ceiling to spiritual growth if we don't um, address this and if we don't free and release these people um, in their vocational fields. So initially, it came from a real pastoral place. Um, But as I kind of dove into a lot of the material that's out there, I realized that uh, there needs to be some more development um, in the work, um, in the actual theology itself and the mechanics of what we're uh, writing and and teaching people. So uh, from there, it was just uh, further confirmation. I have to keep going in this uh, direction um, because there's not, um, I think, a a really um, cohesive Uh, way to present an effective vocational theology to people. Um, So the hunger and thirst is there, but I think that we need to also stop and kind of work through what's available to them. Sure. Um, So that's kind of what pressed me um, to do it. And, you know, your question, why is it so important? Um, It is really important. People spend the majority of their uh, life um, at work and the majority of their week at work and if we, as pastors and people in the church and in ministry, don't figure out how to talk to them when they're um, in that area, uh, we're really not able to disciple people. Sure. Because discipleship is an all of life. That's good. Um, kind of thing. And the most, if we can't speak to most of their life, how can we mm. disciple you know them for all of their life? So um, it, it's something that um, I became passionate for, and and, and lots of people uh, seem to be very very hungry. Uh, For it, And, you know, I I also worked um, after, you know, I worked all the time when I was young, but I also worked um, out of college in finance. And after that, I had uh, my own business in Tenafly and kind of feeling uh, what it's like to be in an office setting or um, in a business setting. It, it, you know, something about their frustration resonates with me uh, because I I do know uh, what that's like. It's an incredibly important topic. I, yeah. Think,
0: yeah. Um, I guess for the people who are listening uh, maybe some of for them they've never even really thought about faith and work or maybe they felt the frustration but uh, didn't know how to verbalize it and, and I know that some of our listeners are, are college students or even high school students um, you know how would you break down just even faith and work as uh, a topic like what is that topic you know how how, could, how would you introduce that
1: Yeah. At its most kind of fundamental level, um, faith in work is uh, what does work have to do with my faith and vice versa. There are many different layers to the conversation, um, but I think the, the conversation that's happening... Uh, Right now, is what is good about my work Mm -hmm. or what is holy about my work? And that is a big question. Um, I don't think the question is so much how can I remain a Christian in the setting um, because I think that those answers are fairly clear, except in some exceptional kind of circumstances. But the question is what good is graphic design? What good is coding? What holy purpose does advertising serve? Mm. I think that's the question that's being asked, um, imposed in 2018 and the past couple of years. And the conversation or vocational theology is a trying to um, explain the holy good of secular work. Mm yeah so that that's kind of the quest right now for vocational theologians. So real basically is is what holy good is my normal job? So yeah, that's the big question.
0: Wow, that's great. um I, yeah I think I think that's you know, I'm sure we both had conversations with people, and I guess most people's thoughts for believers is, you know, a ministry job is more holy, you know mm-hmm. it's greater or if I really want to serve God then, I got to quit my coding job or a doctor or whatever and go be a missionary, you know, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you help people navigate that feeling? I, I feel like because, you know, if they've grown up in church, they've been told that their whole mm-hmm. life, you know. Like, yeah. that's the high calling, and everything mm-hmm. else is whatever.
1: Yeah, there there is kind of a a way to talk about the work itself, and to talk about the field, and then there's a way to counsel the person. Mm. And I think that both needs to happen. You have to talk about the field and talk to them about why that field has uh, common good. So as uh, as Christians, we believe in common grace, uh, mm. which is um, the understanding that God has placed um, good and holy good in all sorts of um, different arenas of life outside of the sacred church. And because of that, Um, they can go into their fields and discover that holy good, even in places outside of the church. So, um, kind of unwrapping that for their individual field, I think is important for them to uh, feel like this work is not disqualified from being holy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, talking about various fields, uh, first I think is important. And I think that, you know, there are some organizations that do this well and some groups that do this well. Um, But the second part I think is to counsel the person. Um, It's not You see, it's not as simple as just explaining the field. That person in and of himself or herself has many different complex layers of why they're frustrated with work. And there can be two different Christians doing the exact same work and one will be incredibly frustrated um, spiritually, and the other person uh, would be able to kind of consolidate his feelings and, and to continue um, in that work. And it, it is important to sit down and understand why. Mm. Uh, why the guy next to them isn't suffering so much from the calling and you are, right? And um, I don't know if it's just about he's in the wrong calling. Um, I think that, that that's, uh, we have to be careful with that. Yeah. Um, because there are all sorts of idols in our hearts that make any job frustrating for us sure so i think that there's a counseling aspect and i think you have to do both and understand them as a person and spend time uh with the person but they also need um that kind of factual understanding of why that field is also um you know a a field that a christian can work in but in my opinion a lot of the work has to do with the first A lot of the work that I'm reading and hearing right now has to do with uh, bringing a biblical perspective into certain fields, and maybe we need to shift towards uh, spending more time with the personal uh, soul.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, You know, in your studying and reading and trying to understand this to help people and develop things, uh, what would you say has been uh, one of the most eye-opening things you found as you're reading, studying, talking to people? Talking to your church members, uh, hearing their frustrations, or counseling them, walking with them. You know, what, what's something that's been really eye-opening for you?
1: I think uh, what's been really eye-opening in my reading is that this, there's been a lot written about this mm. for long periods of time. So my dissertation, um, I started with the church fathers. So starting with Athanasius. And starting with um, early church letters that have to do with this stuff and all, all throughout the medieval period. And there's a lot written about it in the Reformation because of Luther. And just all throughout um, modern history also, especially during uh, World War uh, I. There was actually a lot written about what's going to happen when the war is over, uh, what's the purpose of our work if there's no war. Um, so I was really surprised kind of on the um, resource side, just how much is is written about it. Um, and then I guess in particular, I don't know if this is going to be um, particularly useful for every one of the listeners, but I have found a interesting uh, frustration with Asian-Americans. mm In the workplace, Um, a particular kind of frustration that comes with being an immigrant, second or third generation Asian American um, in the workforce. And the frustration that Asian Americans are facing uh, with their work is is pretty fascinating because I I think that it has a different tint Mm -hmm. to how majority culture is dealing with the frustration. Um, a lot of it has to do with family upbringing, um, idols, but also kind of systems of control and power um, in the workplace. So, the Asian American thing is actually pretty interesting mm. when it comes to work. I think we struggle with it in a in a unique way.
0: Mm. Yeah. I see. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, you know, let's say there's somebody in your in your congregation, and you know, I'm sure even for someone who's listening maybe they're in the middle of that frustration and you know you you know you mentioned how one of the primary things is to counsel and minister to the soul of that person but maybe they're really wrestling like what would be some (coughs) practical steps that you would say to someone who's maybe in that place but you know they don't have someone to help walk them through that or or whatever
1: yeah i mean most practically you need a person I think God has made us for people, and you need a person that you can talk to um, about these things. Somebody maybe who's a few steps ahead in the faith and also in that uh, that field of work. That would be ideal. Um, but, you know, when I do talk to people about this, it, it, it is a, a lot of uncovering what it is that they expected out of work. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I think is a little bit detrimental about what's kind of generally out there about calling is there is a kind of sacramentizing or um, idolizing of calling. Mm. Um, There is this idea that if you find the right calling... Your life is going to be satisfied, right? Yeah. And the diagnosis that's being given to certain people is that you're frustrated because you're not in the right calling, and that um, I think that that's important, but very incomplete. So some people are out there just fishing for callings when the call sometimes is to be faithful.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um,
1: instead of finding the uh, the right calling, so um, a big part of it is helping. You know, trying to understand the person's frustrations and idols, and also their expectations. Um, You know, I think the church and also ministry is, we can, even in our ministries, have certain idols. So I'll give you um, an example. A lot of the Korean American churches talk about the next generation, right? We're here for the next generation. Um, But actually, the church is not here for the next generation. The church is here for God. Yeah. And that can't be the complete focus um, of a church. Um, and I've heard, you know, we are a church for the city, and I understand that. And that's your context. For the next generation, um, that is your discipleship context. But the church is first and foremost for God. Mm. Um, and um, the calling context of the city or the next generation, that will not, never give you um, your highest fulfillment Mm. As a ministry or a church, you can have the most faithful kids in the world, but that won't give you your ultimate calling. You're, you know, you fool yourself. Um, or if your ultimate fulfillment depends on the transformation of a city, um, then that church has to, I think, step back and ask, have we set up an idol or try to satisfy ourselves with the results of something rather than finding our satisfaction in God. Mm. Same thing kind of goes with... Um, Individuals and calling, I think. I think that in this world, as Paul says, we look in a mirror dimly, and that even includes our calling. Mm. And um, there's got to be a way to find satisfaction without hitting precision in your calling, right? So I'll give you an example. When I went to um, southeast Turkey, uh, I I was doing ministry with uh, Syrian refugees, and some of the Syrian refugees were engineers and doctors in Syria. But because of the war, they ended up in Antakya, where I was, you know, staying for a few days, and which is ancient Antioch. And there, the only work that they could find, <clears throat> and probably for the rest of their life, is peeling walnuts. Mm. And they would peel walnuts for barely about a dollar a day, and their fingers would be jet black from peeling walnuts all day long. But they had to do that in order to take care of their family. Now, the one who is passionate about engineering and is passionate about uh, even ministry—what, um, vo- what can vocational theology say to that guy? If vocational theology is merely about finding calling, yeah, right—he um, knows his calling, and um, he understands that the reality of this world is that he can't precisely hit the bullseye on his calling. How can he live the rest of his life? Mm. Um, there needs to be, I think, a more layered and, and a sophisticated approach to helping somebody understand that we're in the already, not yet, that's good. <clears throat> even with calling, right? Um, so when you sit down and talk to somebody, I think that to put the burden of finding the perfect calling, that's a very uh, privileged American thing to do. Mm. Because we could choose to do whatever we want because, you know, we're Western and rich. yeah. But that's not the reality for most of history. Um, so, I, I think that all of those things matter when you sit down with somebody.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. good. I mean, I think, just like you said, I think even in understanding calling, it's um, unfolding constantly. Um, it's not a one and done, I got it for the rest of my life, you mm-hmm. know, but it's evolving, unfolding as God leads us and uh, opens different doors or mm-hmm. whatever comes our way. So, I, th- I think that's really good to know that there is a uh, a a fluidness, fluidity—I don't even mm-hmm. know what the right word is—for yeah. uh, for calling. So yeah. um, I know something you said yesterday that I found um, so intriguing, but also so necessary. Uh, just you know, we were having lunch, um, and 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 it stuck with me. Um, was on what you had to say about suffering and, and calling. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the millennial generation, and there's a lot of a lot of millennials in my church. Um, the millennial generation has a real big problem with the theology of suffering, um, especially personal suffering. Um, there is a big um, there's a big emphasis on solving social suffering, uh, but in terms of addressing personal suffering and individual uh, my suffering, uh, there's a huge deficiency mm-hmm. I think so uh, millennials we and I, I'm actually kind of part of the generation, I guess technically. But uh, the millennial generation, um, we have outrage about kind of, you know, things like uh, injustice and wide, kind of widespread injustice. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to me and my personal suffering, we're very deficient. Um, and that um, deficiency in the theology of suffering really makes work really hard because there's always going to be an aspect of, of suffering, boredom and banality and purposelessness inside of work. And um, there is a very low tolerance for that in the millennial generation. And uh, because of that, I think the conversation is being propelled even more. Um, but we need to, I think, remember that faithfulness uh, requires um, a tolerance and, um, and, and even a leaning into a, a theology of suffering. Uh, yeah. That's what he's called us to do. Um and, you know, suffering for first world Christians doesn't always feel like persecution, but sometimes it feels like boredom. Sometimes it feels um, like FOMO, that they can <laughs> do something else. Yeah. Um, they have a friend that's doing something amazing with a startup or in ministry, and they feel like they're stuck. Um, you know, Oz Guinness, you know, he, he, he um, in that book, The Call, says something great Um you know, he talks about it, it, anybody um, can follow um, Jesus onto water um, in that moment, but mm-hmm. to walk with Jesus, it takes a theology of suffering. Yeah. You know, it requires the ability to walk through sometimes when if you feel like your purpose is not clear. Um, and um, I feel like we do need to learn a little bit about that, and maybe if we had a little bit more patience, uh, we would learn more about the, th- the theology of work. Mm. if we were able to stay a little bit longer yeah. so um, it's hard we we also work in a time where people change jobs about every 18 months um, so when you have that much choice um, and consumerism when it comes to your work uh, long suffering and theology of suffering is very hard mm. well, that's good I mean I, I would say
0: you know I'm sure you, you could say this about you know your calling as well and, and maybe it's different because we're uh, in ministry you know I work a regular full-time job, um, along with ministry, but um, you know the 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 value suffering adds to the call. I mean, I think oftentimes suffering isn't a contradiction, but it's kind of a confirmation that you're in the right place. I think what you're sh- uh, sharing about that is so needed, and uh, a message I, I really want our generation and the upcoming generation to really understand i mean it's easier said than mm-hmm. embraced and done but i, I yeah. think it's so necessary
1: and if i could turn the tables on you and i've heard you talk about uh being in the wilderness mm. and the importance of the wilderness and uh what we forget is that when biblical people were in the wilderness uh they didn't know exactly and precisely what was going to be next sure that's actually really essential to the wilderness uh, period and the the season of formation and things like that um and i know that for you sam you know there are times probably when you didn't know exactly where pursuit was going to go
0: i i still don't (laughs) (laughs) don't.
1: yeah and so i know that you had to really sit in this Mm -hmm. and wrestle with this too Uh, but sometimes following calling it's not clear
0: yeah for sure for sure and and i think that's what makes like you said long suffering Mm -hmm. worth it and patience worth it and uh you know it, it takes time to see fruit so uh, i I, w- I would believe it's the same for jobs and careers and and work um do you want to share a little bit about the the the, the experiment and the project you're doing at your church and the discipleship of professionals connecting them and all that kind of stuff i know you mentioned to me in private but i think it's yeah. a cool guinea pig type thing of seeing how yeah. you can help people so
1: yeah, we're still trying to kind of get it off the ground, but it's not just me. Sandra Yu is she's a lawyer in New York City and one of our deacons, and she had a burden um, to start a discipleship ministry where people in similar uh, professions came together, older and younger people, um, youngest people being in college. And you know, older people uh, connecting in order to to see how we can disciple people within fields of profession. Uh, we call it MCM. Stands for Mosaic Career Ministry, and uh, not Man Crush Monday. Not Man Crush Monday. That's <laughs> Sam's thing, not mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you know, it's uh, it's going. Um, we've found, we've had a couple of really great testimonies. Um, through that ministry, uh, we have a young man who actually is interning for one of the guys that uh, was um, part of that um, in the field of law. And now they work together every single day. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I would say that it's still, uh, like you said, a guinea pig kind of, it's still in its baby phases. And we're trying to see if we can create long-lasting discipleship relationships within professions. Yeah. Um, but that, that's kind of the experiment. There are a lot of conferences, But to be honest, I don't know if conferences are the best uh, format for this because work is a day in and day day out kind of thing, and so we're trying to take it out of the conference format and put it around the discipleship format. Mm. I'll let you know in ten years if it (laughs) works.
0: Please do. No, I mean I think I think that is is so great because um, you know I'm a total rookie when it comes to the topic of work and faith, and um, but you know. The passages and verses that come to mind is, you know, equipping saints for works of service, uh, understanding the priesthood of all believers, and, you know, we're called to make disciples of all nations. And I feel like, you know, pastors can't disciple everyone. You know, we need the body to disciple the body. Right. And and I think that's a great experiment and worth trying and, and tinkering with and, and wanting to see people uh, be able to walk alongside people in the same field and industries and, and really have them dream of what it looks like to be light, mm-hmm. salt and light in their field and in right. their area and um, how they can use it for good for the glory of God. So um, what are some great resources on this topic Uh, that you would recommend for people? um, uh, Maybe they want to learn more. Maybe they're in the struggle. A couple resources that you feel like are are great for them.
1: Yeah, a good kind of uh, starter kit book, which is not long and uh, it's really usable, is Tom Nelson's book, Work Matters. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that, that's a really good treatment and it's very practical. Um, Probably... The, the book that I most agree with is the Call by Os Guinness. Yeah. none of that Paul loves that book, also yeah. loves that book i mean that 's a classic so yeah I lo- I, um I think that's great there's a lot of academic works that are not that helpful um but you know i I think that um a faithful reading of scripture um is is really really um the, the thing for me at least that feeds my soul in this. Um, area the most. You know, um, the uh, the passage in the Psalms where uh, the the Kohathites or Kohath, Kohites, or I'm not even sure exactly how they pronounce it, but they're sons of Korah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever the adjective is. But um, they, you know, they're the ones that wrote, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Mm. And, um, you know, that's a really powerful passage, I think, when you think about the fact that it was written by people who are actually doorkeepers, Mm -hmm. right? If a CEO one day is frustrated and he says to his wife, like, oh, I wish I was just like a janitor or something, you know, I would be happier not to have these burdens, you know, like, how do you know? You've never been a janitor. Yeah. Like, how do you know what it's like to be a janitor? Maybe you'll hate it, and you maybe you'll miss the power and the privilege of having so much freedom as a CEO. But it's different when a doorkeeper says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than go and have all these opportunities mm. somewhere else. There's something, there's a satisfaction and uh, a faithfulness and a uh, happiness and a joy that they have. Uh, with their own profession mm. um, because the sons of Korah were the doorkeepers. And um, I think that there's something for us to discover there, especially millennials, the, that hard to discover um, if if we are to be faithful in our workplaces. Um, how can a guy like that, you know, being a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord in, in both the tabernacle area and in, um, the temple area was a really, really hard job. Um, you know, because of the lack of sleep and the tediousness of the job, but mm-hmm. I think we have to discover uh, what he meant um, when he has um, such contentment yeah um, so I, I think a faithful reading of scripture uh, is really helpful because there's so many people who are so faithful in the wilderness and being a doorkeeper and these various things. I think the Lord will show us most powerfully through the Bible.
0: Come on. Amen. Uh, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, um, the thoughtfulness in, in which you've really gone after this topic. And uh, uh, we got to do a series with you on all the hot topics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Race, gender, oh, um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. This was yeah. fun. This was great. How can people connect with you, uh, find out about your church? Um, yeah, mm. stuff like that.
1: Um well our church's website is njmosaic.org. Um you could connect with not just me but there are a lot of really amazing people at my church um that you could connect to. Um Yeah, that's probably the best way. My contact is on there. Um I could, you know, link you up with some of the amazing pastors in this area. There are a lot of really awesome pastors in this area from a lot of different churches. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have the privilege of being their friend, so I can uh you know, link them up to some other great guys too, um, but my emails on the website.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Dave, for hanging out with us. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, stay tuned for more podcasts to come and more with Dave as well. God bless. We love you. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more
0: information on the Ministry of Pursuit NYC please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.